good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back. We're going to start our second half of our conference today. We're just going to enter in through prayer and worship right now. Thanks for being with us. It's so rich, so much good food. So, Holy One, Holy One, we glorify you and we give you praise. Thank you, thank you, thank you for wisdom that comes from the Spirit of the Lord. Thank you for your truth that comes through your word. Thank you for your love and your power that moves in and through your body, your bride, your church, as we behold you. We love you, Lord, and we give you praise. We join together with you as the bride of Christ. We join together with you, calling to everyone who has an ear to hear, come, come and receive, come and see, come and behold your King. Come to his banqueting table and feast on his goodness. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's worship.
you're calling us, you're calling us, you're calling us to behold you, to behold you in beauty, to behold you in your splendor, to behold you in your sovereignty and your great, great and awesome power, God.
Yes, Lord, you are beautiful. Come, let's raise our hands and let our voices be heard. Clap your hands. You are glorious. You are beautiful. Magnificent, Jesus. Mm. He's worth it all. And a little move, movement of your blood will help you so you don't fall asleep at the next <laughs> session, right? Amen. You may be seated, everyone. Kathy's going to be coming up right now. We are uh, three more sessions, and they're going to get give us some collecting in some of the details that we haven't. We've gone broad strokes. So have you enjoyed being here? Thank you all for the positive feedback. We've enjoyed it. Uh, next, the 14th of October will be during Sukkot. And we are going to take this prayer base, the returning, that we're praying for prodigals, and we're going to have a Friday night, Saturday into Sunday conference. We always meet during Sukkot. And we're going to be reaching into hearing testimony, calling forth that family that we've been called to, to pray and intercede. So looking forward to that. Kathy, come. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, man. Don't. We love you, Kathy. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all the help. <laughs> After that wonderful lunch. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for those that prepared it. What a blessing. Wow. Now I'll probably stand up here and go, mm, excuse me. <laughs> Anyways, kidding. Okay. We're going to be talking about the four beast kingdoms that are described in the book of Daniel. And I don't think I can relate it to me personally, thank the Lord. <laughs> this is going to be all about what the Lord is doing in the earth, what the enemy has attempted to do to derail God's plans. And interesting selection of songs, Diana. They were absolutely perfect for this session. He is the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He sits on the throne. And uh, history shows that he is... The world has tried to dethrone him over and over and over. And there was a certain time in history when there was some success um, in the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar. He was known as being one of the greatest kings in Babylon. He was the first kind of like major recorded king. Now, there's a chart. Can we get that up? It's the, called the Satan's Eight Beast Empires. While he's getting it, um, we need to backtrack a bit and go back to Daniel 2, but let's get, that's, um, let's go to Revelation 13, 1 and 4 for a second. You know, it's hard to only have two hands when you're up here. <laughs> Revelation 13, sorry, I should have had that written down. One through four. I'm going to read that. Then I stood on the sand of the sea. This is who, who wrote the book, Revelation? Amen. Okay. Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. And the sea generally represents humanity in the Bible. Seven heads had this beast and ten horns. Beautiful sight. And on his horns, ten crowns, and on his heads, a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear. And now get a mental picture, okay, because I didn't bring a drawing of this. 
He, I, what I saw, the beast I saw was like a leopard. That's all spotted. His feet were like the feet of a bear. Those are the, other than elephants and things like that, those are the biggest kind of paw feet that are out there. His mouth was like the mouth of a lion, which is horrible. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. The dragon is the beast, okay? That's the devil. That's Satan who dwells in the lower parts of the earth. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. How many heads did he have? Do you remember? What? Yeah, who said that? Whoever said that, good for you. <laughs> seven heads. It was seven heads, but ten horns, okay? Kind of beautiful creature. I'm going to put that as a poster on your wall. <laughs> okay, the dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshiped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? So the overall picture is John standing on the, on the shoreline of the sea, and this thing comes crawling out of the water. Can you imagine what a sight that was? I think I'd be a little scared. Like, you could expect a whale, perhaps. That happened to Jonah, but a beast of this nature with... No, thank you. So he had seven heads, ten horns, ten crowns on ten horns. And he blasts a blasphemous name on the seventh head. So what this guy actually looked like is anybody's guess. But I did have a page that I thought would be able to be published. It's in your, okay, it's in your pamphlet. This is important because... Uh, you sort of have to get a visual sight in order to grasp it. So what he looks like is, is my guess on this, but it seems clear that John was having kind of a hard time describing him. I would too, golly. But um, in this vision, uh, it must have looked extremely odd, but obviously the beast represents something that, as all the symbols in the scriptures do, and the Lord leaves it to us to figure it out. But us, we're full of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit can give us great discernment. And that's the key for these end days. When we see things that are like beyond our capabilities to deal with, we have to ask the Lord, whoever saw a beast like this, how would Daniel have known what it looked like? We all have the capacity to be a prophet and a visionary like Daniel if the Lord should choose to use us. And I think in these last days that we're entering into, we need to have that kind of discernment. We need to push in. And it's just like, I'll tell you what, this morning I had not planned to give my testimony. <laughs> it was the day of the Lord I was talking about. And as I walked up the steps, the Lord said, give your testimony. I went, I had all my notes. Lord, wait a minute, I was prepared, you know. And, and, and for some unknown reason. But we have to walk in what he tells us to do. And if we don't, we're really walking amiss. So when Daniel saw this thing, he could have thought, gosh, what did I have for breakfast this morning? <laughs> you know, or 
you know, why do I need new glasses or whatever, you know, all kinds of things. And we all experience it when our first thought, oh, that must be the Lord. And then we think, oh, no, it couldn't be. It couldn't be. It's too, too far out. But you know what? Our God is a pretty far out God. He's a lot farther out than we are. We have to respect that and we have to welcome it. And I'm sure you've all had, well, maybe not, but visions that a lot of people get them in their dreams, okay? And you just push it aside. That's not God. That's not God. But if you saw a beast like this in your dream, you'd think, holy moly, what did I have for dinner last night? You know, it's like, what caused that? Instead of like, God, are you trying to tell me something in this? And I think in these last days, Satan and his little minions are going to be all over the place trying to distract us from the, the, the straight path of what God has intended for each one of our lives and for our nations. You know, we're going to miss Larry and Melanie in, in the flesh, so to speak, but thank the Lord we get them techno technologically. Uh, leading for the prayer of the nations, and I, you don't have to raise your hand, but I ask you, have you been praying for the nation that you selected at the beginning of the year? the one you put on your refrigerator, I have Saudi Arabia. And, you know, you, you just get what you get. But we become responsible to pray to, for the nations because we don't know how they're going to be used in these last days. But every nation has a destiny. And so I'm encouraging you, in these last days particularly, things are going to be happening that are faster than the mind can even think of. So let's look at this chart. You all have it, Satan's eight beast empires. And unfortunately, it didn't come out color. And that's my fault, not the church's fault, my printer. Did you ever get a nasty printer on your desk? Holy moly. <laughs> okay, across the top here, we have um, four blocks. One, this is a revelation to John, okay? It's also listed in Revelation 17.3 and uh, uh, 9 to 12. It's, it's Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Now, he was the first king um, in ancient history. Before him was the kingdom of, ah, I can tell you. I know I can tell you. Uh, well, I think it was Egypt and something before that. Huh? Syria? Assyria. I don't know. Sorry about that. You know what? You can look it up. Challenge you. What day is today? Sat Friday? Sat what day is today? Saturday. Tomorrow morning. Come tell me what those two kingdoms were. But the Bible revelation through Daniel starts with the Egyptian empire, which was developed by one of the sons of Noah from the flood, and it was Ham. Ever hear of Ham? And it's called the Hamitic Kingdom. Oh, I'm backtrack. Okay. Egypt and Assyrian, you're right. Okay. So these first two empires aren't mentioned because they each begin with the Babylonian kingdom already in existence. So the Babylonian kingdom was already a dominant feature, and these two were like subsets to the story at that point in time. The second one, let's see here. I want to do this properly for you guys. It's important. Okay. 
let's talk about the left. Let's see here. Let's start with the third one, the beast empire, which is the Babylonian one, and that was Semitic, and that is, is it up there? Yeah. Oh, good. Okay, good, so you can say good, because I, all right, so that's the Babylonian empire that Nebuchadnezzar was the head of, and that empire was developed with the offspring of Shem from Noah. So Noah's progeny went across the earth, from in the Middle East area that we're talking about. And the, the, the Babylonian Empire, the head, was represented like a lion, like the lion of God, but it wasn't God. And it was a head of gold. The bear, which is the second one, which is the fourth beast empire, the Medo-Persian, Empire and Persia is Iran in our time, okay? The Medes were um, a subset. Uh, today they'd be called Iranians, uh, kind of combined together. That, those were the shoulders and the arms, and it, it appeared as a bear with the breasts and arms of silver. Um, so these beasts weren't real beasts. This was a vision that he was seeing. And God was going to allow it to come into fruition from Daniel's perspective. And then it got gobbled up by the next kingdom. And recall, the final kingdom that Daniel saw was the feet that had the mix of iron and clay. But there was no specific name attached to it. But let's go to Greece first. Greece was the belly. And uh, it was a leopard, and its thighs were of bronze. So you can see the value here. The, the third beast, the uh, Babylonian one, was gold, which was of the highest quality. And, and I don't know, I don't think it's spiritual. I think it's just they had the most um, authority in the earth at that point in time. And the breakup of Babylon, you go into Medo-Persian. Uh, that was silver, and next to gold, silver is most important. So we come down to bronze. You know, a lot of the things in the tabernacle in the wilderness were made of bronze, and they were polished, and it was like mirror, very shiny. So that was the Greek one. The sixth one is the Roman Empire. This is the most interesting one and the one that really affects our thinking the most. And it's the beast who is dreaded and terrible. That's what it has to say. Had legs of iron. Iron is considered one of the strongest metals. You know, they use it for, you know, a lot of things, especially in buildings. The seventh beast, which has not yet come and theoretically has not yet been identified. And then we have the eighth beast, which has ten horns. Ten toes of clay, ten horns and a little horn. And we start where Jan left off, uh, the 70th week and the seven prophetic years. So the final kingdom that Daniel saw was terrifying. He noted it was a mix of iron and clay. But there's no specific animal associated with that particular empire, which ultimately became the Roman Empire. And that empire wielded 
immense power throughout the area, and it, and it expanded just incredibly fast. So, in Daniel 9, we read about the times of the Gentiles, which is the length of time that these kingdoms would reign. All right? So, verse 3 in Daniel 9 says, And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. Does that remind you of anybody? Who's, who's running these kingdoms? They aren't called beast kingdoms by accident. But this beast here in the, in the divided Roman Empire got that wound we were talking about in a previous one, the Antichrist, okay? So that's the last head of the beast, and I say it's Roman Empire. And here's where it gets interesting, because there's seven heads that John sees when this beast comes up out of the sea. So when he saw this beast, it did not have the seven heads, but it did have ten toes. And the specific beast now has seven heads and ten horns with a crown of each, on each horn. He saw two images of this. Therefore, these seven heads all belong to the final beast, which is a representative of the various stages that Rome went through as it began to grow into an empire until, once again, it will become the final revived Roman Empire. And it encompasses these other nations that have been mentioned. So they believe that the Roman Empire went through a variety of stages before it came to its highlight during the time of Jesus. And that was when the, the leaders and rulers of Rome began to declare themselves emperors, or Caesars is another word for it. And it was where emperor worship, uh, I'm sure it was before that, but it became the mainstay of the Roman Empire. And that was in, in place during the time when Paul was writing and various other uh, people were, uh, if they didn't bow to the Caesar or to the emperor, it was off with your head or it was into the lion's den or it was in, you know, the Colosseum where the animals would tear you apart. If you didn't bow your knee to the Caesars in their, in their times of doing it, you were a goner. And there's some movies out there that are pretty, pretty graphic that you can watch. I can't remember the names, but uh, where you can see what happened in the Roman Empire. And when I saw it a couple of years ago, I thought, oh, my gosh, we're on the edge of that. This, we're, we are on the edge of the rebuilt Roman Empire. That's what's happening in the earth in a political kind of a way. So we need to keep our eyes open. But the bigger thing we need to keep our eyes open is our commitment to Jesus Christ. Because it's going to be demanded of us to bow the knee to the government world system that is the beast. Now, I'm not saying that the next world leader is the Antichrist, but he will be at some point. You know, I'm not saying necessarily next week or 10 years from now or whatever, but that is the final leader of the revived Roman Empire. Um, have you ever heard of a guy named Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum? Any people do research? Okay, well, he labels 
the individual seven heads in the following way to show the Roman Empire developed over a period of time. A lot of what I, I study these kinds of things. I love to know about it because it just doesn't come out of the air. It's, people have researched it and studied it and history is written as it's occurring. So I find it fascinating to watch the hand of God work through history and um, it gives you a real uh, viewpoint of where we're at now and, and how we could be going based upon the history that's preceded it. Not to say Jesus Christ, when he entered the earth, it was in the, it, towards the end of the Holy Roman Empire. Um, there was a couple hundred years left after that. But they dictated that he be crucified. Crucifixion was the Roman way of killing people, putting them to death. And the leaders in Israel had to subject themselves to the Holy Roman Empire's ways of doing things. And if they didn't, it was off with their heads. You know, the dictators dictate. They don't just play sweet games and try to make you like them. It's like, you do what they tell you or you're gone. And I personally think we're on the edge of that in the world today with, um, I don't know, there's a headline on a newspaper. I, I didn't read the article, I just saw the headline. Biden's going to demand our cash. And I thought, oh man, you know, that's sooner than I wanted it, Lord. You know, come on. <laughs> Crypto cash, I don't even know what that is. But, but just the suggestion that the way we have done things is, is going to always happen the same way. We are in such a, a place of flux right now, and we need to be aware that this is actually the carpet being unrolled out before us. And we have the choice of how to walk upon that carpet. And will we be like the early martyrs and the martyrs of the 14, 1500s? Will we decline to bow the knee? Will we remain upright before Jesus Christ? And you have to know the word in order to know if you're being upright or not. It's not just like, hmm, check this box, maybe that. It's, it's a dedication to knowing what God wants you to be doing. Not what your neighbor's doing, but what he, the Holy Spirit's telling you to do. And I suspect we're going to be facing some serious, um, oh, just think long lines with big question marks after it. And I just suggest, you know, I love the fact that our church prays so much. And we pray for one another an awful lot, but we need to also pray into, Lord, what, what do we need to be aware of? What is coming our way? What's our armor? What's our defense? How do you want us to walk in these days? And I personally go, I, <laughs> do you ever read the Fox's Book of Martyrs? I mean, that's my bathroom reading. <laughs> and it's like, it's really something what these people gave up to serve Jesus Christ. And I think not just America, but the world in general, we, we sit back and we go, oh, it won't happen to me. Jesus is coming back in five minutes. Are you guys ready? <laughs> Did you get it? <laughs> I got my warning, five minutes. Okay, these seven heads. Right now, holy moly. You guys ready for questions? Okay, go ahead. Who's first? Any questions or answers? I mean, any questions? Maybe there'll be an answer. So the first head um, was about 753 to 500 BC. 
The second head on that chart, if you can still see it, they were called the consulars. It went on to roughly 500 BC. That was a short-lived one. The third head were called the... The second one is called the consulars. And I think there's something prophetic in this um, progression, actually. Then the third head were called the plebeians, or the dictators, about 494 to 390 BC. And here's a cute one. The fourth head was called the Republicans, <laughs> AKA the oligarchy of 10. Just saying. Um, 390 to 59 BC, before Christ. The fifth head was called the triumvirate. That's three people running something, okay? Our God, God is a triumvirate, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So a triumvirate, it would be interesting to watch. The sixth head is, is the actual Roman Empire. It's called imperialism, and it's strong as iron. It's a very hard one to do away with. That's 63 BC to uh, 285 AD. That's the one Jesus Christ was crucified under. That's the group that pillaged Temple Mount, destroyed it. Uh, it was the Roman Empire. It wasn't necessarily the Italians, but uh, as Jan shared earlier, it was wherever Rome went, they captured the peoples and, and put them into enforced military stuff. And then we have the one world government stage. I don't know if any of you kind of feel we're heading in that, but those are the toes of iron. There's 10 toes. At first, it's the two legs, remember? Okay, then we, that's the two, oh, I forgot to say that. The two division states, the two legs, the east and west balance of power. And we see that very much right now. That's um, from AD 63 to the present. Then we come to the one world government stage, and that's, I think, I think the beast is breathing really hard right now. It's a struggle to get this to happen, but what's played out in the past couple weeks with China and Taiwan and Ukraine and Russia, there's, there's a new balance of power coming in, and both of them have the nuclear capacity to wipe out the 200 two billion people at, at any given time. So we are in this place. And the two legs, you got the east and you got the west. I don't know which is which. But in the middle, what do you have between the east and the west? America, sitting, we're an island in the middle of the ocean, practically. So think about that. I don't have the answers, but Jesus does. And I think the important thing we have to bear in mind that his purposes and plans are going to prevail regardless of what man does. Yes. <clears throat> You've got one minute. Okay. Is there any question? Or the questions come in one minute. No, you go ahead. You, know, you, finish, you have one minute to finish what you're saying. Okay. So the seventh head is the Antichrist stage. And it's called absolute imperialism. It calls for laws that cover the whole earth. 
No one will escape it. Um, it's going to dominate the money systems of the world. Um, they have, they've already tested out, you know, implanting chips in people, and you can, you can almost get a drive-by in some places I've read and get your chip that, to be ready for it, and certain things you can already buy with it. What are you going to do when you're confronted with that? When your money's no good anymore, you want to give your kid $100 for Christmas, how are you going to do that? I, that's a stupid question to ask, but, but it's real. I mean, that's what every parent has to deal with. How are you going to take care of your family? What are we going to do? Uh, back, I think was Steve was mentioning that when, when they thought Jesus was coming back in 88, I remember when people were building their little huts out in the woods and, you know, living off of fires, you know, with logs, etc. What are we going to do? There is no easy answer for us except to turn to the Lord and believe in Him. There will be lots of answers offered, but it's going to be man-made stuff. And we really have to put our trust in the Lord as these days come upon us. And it's not to put fear in your hearts. It's to put boldness in your hearts. You know, some of you have really gone out onto the missions field and done some amazing things which go above and beyond the average. And it's gonna take some courage and some guts, or you're gonna live without what you've been used to.